And the Real Money Show is on the air. The number you need to know, one 877 214 1711 While you're there, check out A full hour of gold and silver knowledge and education, if you will, and natural fancy color diamonds. Guildhall Diamonds, as a matter of fact. Jeremy's in studio along with Darren and Paul. And uh, the Queen of Diamonds returns this week. Nicole is also joining us. So we always start off with uh, an update of the week. How's it, or how did it look, Darren? Well, again, fluctuations during the week presented buying opportunities, John, and gold and silver right now as we're taping the show on Friday sit respectfully at 1230 range in gold and 1960 range in silver, which is a slight improvement over week front. We had uh, gold and silver bounce pretty high uh, sharply on Thursday as traders went long, leading to about a short covering. And gold looks really, as does silver, looked extremely oversold, according to a lot of the technical indicators I follow. And uh, gold was also supported by the emergence of Indian demand as jewelry, coin, and bar providers uh, seemingly this week stocked up at these lower prices in the ongoing marriage season, as you know, over in India. There is a lot of speculation that data on Friday, which we're not going to get right now, is going to reinforce the case for the Federal Reserve to cut back on its spending. That's what uh, the stock markets were looking towards this week. What is the jobs report going to bring about? No significant change. In, in, in fact, nothing to write home about. They say that unemployment rate dropped slightly in the U.S. down to 7%. But the reality is we know better. A lot of people have fallen off the table and a lot of people have just stopped looking for jobs. So the reality is the numbers are a little bit misleading. Now, this is this is leading to a lack of bullishness uh, in the paper gold market. But we are the physical market. Guildhall represents what is happening happening in the physical market. And the physical market could be more on fire. It's seeing a totally different dynamic. You have continuing robust global demand right now. And gold demand just set another new record this this uh, week, reported for the year-over-year period in China and in Asia as a whole. So Indian gold premiums also hit another record uh, this past Thursday. They're driven by low supplies to meet a, a lot of demand for, again, that w- that Indian wedding season. That's going to continue through right until May. It's part of the reason that we have big run-ups from January to May on those big cycles we talked about when history repeats itself. And if I look locally, my contacts in India were saying that you could expect to pay as much as 150 to 160 per ounce more per spot for gold in the Indian market this week because of demand. In London also, I was told that prices were running around 120 to 150 higher than spot pricing with demand for physical bullion because there were low supplies. And in Shanghai this week, again, another record hit. They had as much as a $22 premium over COMEX prices showing how the Chinese demand is completely continuing on. So we have Chinese New Year coming up on the 31st of January, and I would expect to see a lot of renewed demand in Chinese buying on this latest dip in prices. So it's going to go back up generally over here as well? I think, that, I think that you're getting some of the last good opportunities of right. the year. And again, we've seen this before. This is nothing new. Historically, over the last 12 years, we've seen four major peaks in the market all start with this type of uh, seasonal event-driven buying that stems from these low prices, which are unbelievably uh, oversold conditions. And these are the bargain times when real smart investors take advantage and make money long term. And of course, when we want to look at the bigger picture here, we see that uh, after a decade-long run of gold and silver moving up, and we had our pullbacks throughout that time, we'd seen 30% and 40% pullbacks in both gold and silver. 
uh, from time to time, still the market was up year over year. And after a decade long uh, plus of of gains, we've had a a nice good long correction here of of over two years. But of course, the entire time while this correction has occurred, buying around the world – physically has been extremely robust. China breaking records left, right, and center. India buying. In fact, even uh, the U.S. mint sales have been on fire throughout this year, as much as they've sold back in 2011 when the market was was going crazy. So the market, the physical market, gold and silver have been moving into strong hands. When the next leg up starts to starts to happen, there will be continued panic, but there'll be a lot less bullion available. One eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven guildhallwealth.com. Darren, is there a, is there a concern with with volume with with product? Yeah, the supply right now is very oh. tight. If you look in the futures market, uh, there's an extraordinary situation developing. And it's important that you hear it from shows like ours because you're not going to see this in the financial media. They don't care about it because they're involved with other things. And they want you to believe that gold and silver long term is going nowhere but down. Ultimately, in the futures market right now, in particular the gold arena, there's an interesting story developing. Whether people know it or not, December is the largest delivery month in the futures market for gold. It has the most demand of any other month of delivery. And right now, standing for the month of December, which needs to be concluded before the end of the month, either by way of being paid out in terms of delivery or rolling over into another delivery month, is about 20 and a half tons of gold. It's an enormous amount. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of ounces of gold. And the available amount of ounces, it would drain the COMEX 99%. Hmm, So if that stays standing, those are the kind of events that drive prices higher. And that's a big problem because you're seeing it in the numbers. The numbers are telling us that the banks, that the merchants, the jewelers, and the mining firms are going long. They expect the price to rise. Are they the smart money? You bet your bottom dollar they are. They know what's going to happen long term because they're the closest to the market and they are not shorting right now. They are net long. And that tells us that they have an expectation in the short, medium and long term that the prices for gold and silver are going to jump. Well, I think this is an unbelievable time to get into the market. We've been talking about this for the last couple of months where silver has come off from around about $24 down to, you know, around about $19. Uh, Gold has come off down to where we are today at about $1,230. Nothing has changed in the world. If you look, has anything really changed in Europe? Is Greece still in trouble? Is Ireland still in trouble? Is Portugal in trouble? Is Spain in trouble? Uh, our country is still printing money. Is Europe printing? Is the U.S. printing? They're still buying $85 billion worth of garbage bonds every single month, putting the money into the banks, not going out to the public. I've stated before, and my belief in the next, I say 12 months, but I think in the next 9 to 10 months, you're going to see an unbelievable increase uh, in my opinion, in silver and gold. I've been calling for $60 silver. I still think we're going to hit this figure in the next 9, 10 months. It only takes some type of little bit of catastrophe, some of the things that are going on um, with the uh, cliff in the U.S., with the budget. Um, these are all things that will come to fruition. And when it does, the stock market right now is, seems to be the only play because this is where the government wants people to put money into paper. 
gold, silver this morning when they announced uh, the job creation. You know, gold and silver came off and all of a sudden, bang, it came back up again. We understand this market. We sell physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. We're not in we're not, we're not in paper products. We don't sell equities. We don't sell ETFs. We don't sell paper certificates. We don't sell futures, and we don't sell options on futures. We sell the physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, as well as natural fancy colored diamonds. These are the th- areas, hard assets, that we're in. In actual fact, we... On the show last week, I you know put on a special on 100-ounce gold bars, mm-hmm. silver bars rather. Um, when you bought three bars, we gave you an unbelievable price. It was such an unbelievable success. We're going to carry it on for another week up to the 15th of December. Uh, we brought in some more merchandise. People snapped up. The only difference is you have the option. You can take home delivery, immediate delivery. You can take delivery, put it into our depository. And the reason you should put it into depository, because sooner or later you are going to want to sell that product. Whether it's in six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years, you're going to want to sell that product. You don't want to be running to a bank. You don't want to be leaving it in the basement and hauling up, you know, a thousand ounces weighs 70 pounds. You know, you're going to get a double hernia lifting the product out of the basement. Be smart. Put it in the depository. It's safe. It's secure. It's insured. John, give the numbers where they can call number, to open an account. The number is one eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven online at uh, guildhallwealth.com. You talked about silver. Is silver really a better buy than gold? At this point? Well, for it's undervalued, it's, it's, as far as gold and silver are concerned, we've seen gold tr- uh, climb a tremendous mountain from day one till now, from 2002 till now. And gold is arguably way, well, it is, not even arguable. It's way above its all-time high. The previous all-time high it hit was 850 an ounce. At $1,230 you know, an ounce right now, it's about 400 and you know, some odd dollars above its all-time mm-hmm. high. Silver, however, its all-time high is $52 an ounce. It's an intraday high. It was hit in January of 1980, and we've come close. We came to $49 an ounce in spring of 2011, but we have never ventured above that $52 mark. That makes it very undervalued against gold. And also, if you look at one of the leading indicators that tells us it's undervalued, it's the ratio between gold and silver. Right now, that ratio stands at around, it's been hovering around 60 to 65 to 1, meaning it takes 60 to 65 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold. Historically, for hundreds of years, including that last big bull run in the 70s, its more natural ratio is 16 to 1. So it wants to move back during bull markets towards that ratio. Now, will it get back to 16 to 1? We believe it's going to get very close. Could get down to 20 to 1, maybe 18 to 1. But even if it went down to the last lowest ratio, which was 32 to 1, right now silver would jump at least $10, $15 an ounce. And that is more likely to happen than gold doubling right now. So, yes, silver is very undervalued. And we're not saying we dislike gold. I mean, when Darren said gold hit uh, 850 in 1980, the debt in the U.S. was $1 trillion. Today, if gold, if gold were to match that, that ratio, you'd see, the de- you'd see gold move up 17 times over wow. that 850 mark. Um, as well, when, the, when, the, when a bull market concluded, when the bull market concluded in the early 80s, Gold hit one to one with the Dow, which would put gold up around sixteen thousand dollars an ounce right now. And at sixteen to one ratio, you're looking well over triple digit silver. The thing you have to understand is that silver is an industrial metal. We've been consuming more than we pull out of the ground for decades now, and uh, there's five times more gold above 
ground than silver. So silver above oh, wow. ground is actually a lot more rare. It doesn't get cheaper to, to mine it every year. So over the last couple of years, as the price has been consolidating after, again, a long bull market run, which has not topped out yet, as Paul was saying, nothing in the world has changed. The debts haven't been uh, eradicated. Uh, they haven't tapered. Uh, inflation is still going to be with us. Um, but all of these factors are still here. And in the meantime, it's only getting more expensive to mine the stuff. So we do feel that when gold and silver start to move, silver is going to play a lot of catch up. The other thing I would add to why silver is potentially a much better um, option between the two, even though they're both great, is that just as much money is going into buying the physical silver coins as is going into gold. And if you think about it, of how much more silver you need to be buying to match those levels, mm -hmm. you're seeing a lot more people buying silver than gold right now. And that trend is set to continue. We got uh, about a minute before our first break, Darren. Uh, give us, uh, you know, in a nutshell, your take on Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen's very dovish. She's probably going to uh, pursue more of the monetary easing started by Bernanke and uh, Ellen Greenspan on the way out. And I would suspect that if she even starts to pull back on the amount of spending that they're doing as the Federal Reserve, it will send such a ripple effect through the marketplace that it could risk breaking down the market altogether. Right now, confidence is extremely fragile, and the last thing they want to do is shatter that little bit of confidence that they have left that this stock market, which is completely fraudulent, uh, might you know not go higher. When we get back in the, you know, the next uh, session, I'd like to talk about the difference between the haves and the have-nots right now, the people that are making money, the wealthy, and the poor. We'll take a quick break, one 1711 and online at guildhallwealth.com. We will take a short break. I'll uh, talk about price inflation, possible global currencies, so much to talk about in the next segment. Stick around. Lots more of The Real Money Show coming up. The Real Money Show continues the number you need to know to make the phone call to start investing, one 1711 and online at guildhallwealth.com. Uh, Just before the break, Paul, you mentioned the haves and have-nots and the, the wide divide that is. Well, if you look at what's going on in the States right now, they're trying... Uh, to raise the minimum wage, I think it's seven and a quarter up to fifteen dollars. Uh, the people that are actually, you know, doing these jobs, flipping hamburgers, you know, school kids or people that are not very educated. I mean, you know, the menus in a, in a lot of the restaurants are very very complicated today. It you know, it's not rocket science to flip a cheeseburger. So again, the wages are very very low. The the poor are getting poorer. I mean, there's forty eight million people in the U.S. on food stamps. One in six kids goes to bed starving in the States. It's supposed to be the richest country in the world. Now, you look at the other end of the spectrum, you know, uh, the people on Wall Street and the people in that really never work for themselves, they work for the government, uh, they've got no idea, you know, the cost of anything because they're being comped all the time or p tabs are being picked up. The money that, that, that what's, what went on with the Fed where they're buying $85 billion a month in bonds and different types of weak assets, which is actually going, the money's going into the banks. It's going into Wall Street. I've said many times before, how many people out there listening to this show own Google at over $1,050, own Apple at five fifty, five sixty a share? You know, can you buy a 1,000 shares of Google? You know, Absolutely it's only not. for the hedge funds. It's only for the very, very wealthy. So the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and the middle class is actually eroding. You know, they're not keeping up with what's going on in the world. You have to be in hard assets to protect what you've got. If you're looking to retire, 
if you're looking to put your kids through university, you're not going to do it on a paycheck. Your savings, if you're in an RRSP, you know, eventually when you want to take that money out of an RRSP, you're going to pay tax. So what you think you've saved, you haven't saved. Because, you know, what's $50,000 today? What is it going to be in 10 years' time? And what's it going to be in 20 years' time? You know, I always give an example every week, basically. I say, take $10,000, put it in a coffee can. 10 years ago, bury it in the back garden. What's your buying power? 7000 8000 If you would have took the same $10,000 and silver was trading at $4 10 years ago and bought 2,500 ounces of silver, even at today's prices of 1950 1960 you'd have $50,000. Your tin can with cash... Even if you put it in the bank and you got interest of 1%, 2%, which again is taxable, what would you have? You'd have a ham sandwich. You've got seven, dollars $8,000 worth of buying power. You need to be in a hard asset. You've got to think of what you're doing. Is inflation going to come? Yes, it is. Do you look at a basket of groceries? You know, Darren talks every couple of weeks about every year he goes out and buys a basket of groceries. And, and measures the cost of this year versus last year and the packaging. The packaging is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. The pr- cost of the goods is going up. You need to be smart. If you've been sitting on the fence and you've been listening to the show, I have people I run into all the time say, oh, I love your show. I'm listening to the show. It's great, great information. Well, you've got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You need to go out and buy gold, silver, if you can afford it, a natural fancy colored diamond, and look after your capital. Protect. You have life insurance. You have health insurance. You have car insurance, home insurance. You don't want to die. You don't want your house to burn down, but you still have it. But you're not protecting your capital. Insure your capital with hard assets. Gold, silver, this is the best time to get in. I think these prices are going to go through the roof. In my opinion, I think it's an unbelievable time. One eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven guildhallwealth.com. I want to talk about global currency, guys, but you did mention uh, earlier, Jeremy, about uh, storage for your bullion as well. Can you self-store? Can you leave it there with you? Well, it, that's a, a good question because I, I contacted uh, my insurance uh, broker because I, I – People, I talk to people every day. They're they're interested in doing their own storage, because there are fees associated with storing your bullion. Because you have to remember, this is this is for wealth protection, and 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 bullion doesn't give you a dividend. It's not a paper asset. It's not a paper asset. It's a physical asset, and so it does cost money to store it. Well, the insurance company did make me aware that if you don't have article insurance, if you're just going with home insurance, they're not going to insure anything over $500. Of course, then you're moving into article insurance, and we should actually get an insurance broker on the the show here to discuss this in more detail. But obviously, article insurance can get very expensive if you're looking to store $10,000 worth of bullion. That leaves you with with putting your bullion in a safety deposit box or storing it in your own safe. And, of course, then you have to deal with the logistics of if you've watched this market at all, you know that its moves happen very quickly. If it moves up, it's going to gap up quick. If it comes off, it's going to come off quick. And to store your bullion for less than 2% cost of doing business on an annual basis, but in three, four years, that could save you over 10%. It's worth considering storing and insuring your bullion in a place where that's what they specialize in, and that's what the depository does for our clients. Also, the ease of liquidity. Yeah, well, again, if you've got it in the depository, it's safe, it's secure, it's insured with Lloyd's of London. The difference is that if you want to sell that product, if you've got it in the basement or if you've got it in a safe deposit box, the banks don't give you a safe deposit box for nothing. They charge. You want to pay $35 a month, they give you a little tin can, and that's basically what you get to put two, three bars of silver in. If you're going to put 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 ounces, 
ounces of silver, you need a huge box and it's going to cost. And you're not covered from the bank for insurance purposes. They don't do that. So what you need to do is think about, do you want to take it home? Do you want to keep it safe and secure? You've also got the opportunity, not the opportunity, but, you know, loose lips sink ships. Mm -hmm. If people know that you've got product at home, you could have a home invasion. Broken windows. And all types of things could go on. So, you know, what are you going to save? It's actually 1.3% a year to store your metal in a safe, secure depository. If you've got $100,000 worth of metal, it's going to cost you $100 a month to store it. That's cheap. Look what it costs to, to insure. What does it cost to insure your car? Does it cost $30 a, a, a year? You know, people pay $800,000, $1,500 to drive a car that's a, you know... Depreciating asset. It's depreciating. <laughs> it's, in some cases, it's an S-box, right? Yeah. And you're still paying ridiculous amounts of insurance. You're paying big insurance on your home. My office insurance, every year it goes up. It doesn't go down. So if you really want to take it home, you feel safe, you want to bury it in the back garden, put it under the mattress... Do so. We're not going to stop you doing that. But you're better off to put it in a safe, secure depository. We even offer allocated uh, pro- product, segregated product, and it is insured. We can give you all types of insurances that the product is there. The bars are numbered if that's what you want. So, again, give us a call. Yeah, 1-877-214-1711 and online at guildhallwealth.com. Darren, I know you're not a member of the Illuminati, but... Um how do you know that? <laughs> I'm assuming at this point, is there going to be a global currency? I don't think there will ever be a global currency, but I can tell you that the fact that we're speculating about it, uh, we're the closest we've ever been to seeing something right. like that happen. Ultimately, those conspiracy theories, will, will they're abundant and they'll be around for a long time to come. But uh, I suppose uh, if if one was to think about the long term, the greatest fear right now is that there is no reserve currency that's ever stood the test of time. Uh, we look at the American currency and we think to ourselves, they're the biggest economy in the world. However, what we don't realize is that that's only been that way for about 40 years. Wow. Uh, prior to that, it was the sterling pound, right? Of the U.S. It's $17 trillion. Right. I know when you do your seminar and you, you speak about what does, seven, what does a trillion dollars look like? Well, you can't picture it. I mean, you can, really? you can see, you can, in your mind, the best way to test it is if you're a listener out there, think quickly what you would do. Very quickly right now, I want you to set aside a second and do the following. Think what you would do to spend $1,000. Pretty simple. Yep. How about 10000 Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. 100000 A million. One billion, one trillion. You can't even fathom it. Yet a trillion dollars would take up an entire football field, would take up the entire premises of the White House, and it would be on skids piled six feet high in $100 bills. So imagine if interest rates rose in the U.S., what they would pay to service the debt on $17 trillion, and you wonder why the Fed wants to buy bonds to keep the, inter- the long-term interest rates low. They've got themselves caught in a feedback loop where I'm sure whoever takes the, the helm, Janet Yellen's going to take the helm, you think she's going to want that to explode on her watch? It's a massive hot potato, musical chairs, we're waiting for the music to stop, and that's where you come up with, that's where you start to see, well, who could be the next reserve currency? Ultimately, the thing you have to understand is that gold is discipline. You can only you can only dig out so much gold every year. So backing a currency with gold does make sense in terms of discipline because once you hand that discipline over to some guy or woman who's going to control the interest rates, you can see 
it do, it never works. So that's what gold is good for in terms of reserve currency. And any country that can back their currency with gold is going to be the the king for for people wanting to trade because it's going to create a balance. Right now, every country is lowering their interest rate. Everyone's racing to the bottom. People want stability, not 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 their currency constantly falling. And the and everyone's just running to the bottom to stay competitive. So uh, something backed even partially by gold, is going to bring back some credibility and some control to the market. No, that's something that I could see happening in our lifetime. Absolutely. It's a thing with the juggler. He's got so many balls in the air and he's got loops on his hoops on his feet. Sooner or later, you're going to drop a ball. Mm -hmm. Once one goes, they all go. The difference is $17 trillion in debt is an awful lot of money. How do you pay off $17 trillion in debt? You You can only get it by collecting taxes. Or lowering the dollar. Well, not, I'm just going right now. By collecting taxes or cutting uh, any supplements that you give to, to the needy. So if I'm saying there's 48 million people on food stamps right now, it's increased from 32 million to 48 million in the last 10 years. It's not getting any better. So $17 trillion in debt, another $180 trillion that's in Social Security. Unfunded. Unfunded and Medicare. Where's it going to come from? You can't print your way out of almost $200 trillion worth of debt. It's impossible, unless you're going to pay, you know, 99% tax on a dollar. I think it's in one of Charles Dickens' books. I think Mr. McCorbury says, you know, uh, spending two, one pound and sixpence is, uh, you know, terrible thing. Spending 19 shillings and sixpence is happiness. I mean, and that's what it is. I mean, they're overspending in the States. They've printed up so much money. It's going to play catch up. Gold, silver is one way to protect against inflation and against the printing of money. You can't print up gold bars. Only 3% of the world own physical gold and silver. I think it's even less not than even, that. Not even. Total. Wow. Paper and physical. Wow, 3%. 97% are in real estate and paper, the stock market. In 100 years, there's been four major bull markets. All of those bull markets prior to this had participation rates greater than 20% of the population. So whether it's owning one coin or whether it's owning tens of thousands of ounces of silver that participation rate rose to 20% a bull market. There's no way we've topped out. We haven't come anywhere near it. And quite frankly, if even 3 or 4% of the population decided to go and buy and own physical bullion, it would put such a strain on the market that the price of gold and silver would literally overnight skyrocket. And even in the futures market, the smart money is taking delivery of the product. They don't want to roll it over into another futures contract. They're saying, give me my gold, give me my silver. And you know what? They can't get it. There's been a couple of companies that have already defaulted and given you cash because they can't give you the product. We got Bear that a, in mind. We've got about a minute left in this one. Just briefly, Darren, tell me why, why do the Chinese love gold so much and the U.S. hate it? Well, they, we've been brainwashed in North America to, to fall away from it. It wasn't that long ago that we carried cash in our pocket, Johns, and now we're made to feel like aliens if we have too much cash in our pocket. And Nobody that's a ridiculous thing. Nobody wants to take it. Where, how many places do you go a day where they say, you know, we don't take $100 bills. Well, sorry. Yeah. But the reality is, on the other end of the spectrum, the Chinese have begun to understand culturally that it represents wealth. They understand that premise. They're not going to fight against something that's been around for thousands of years. It's outlasted countries. You know, it's outlasted people. It's outlasted everything. It's still there today. And that's why they're buying and owning, because they know long term it protects buying power and it represents wealth. 
I, I've talked about this a lot. I think North America and even Europe, there's a fishbowl mentality. We're, we're on the inside, not mm-hmm. looking out. These other um, countries around the world are on the outside looking in. They say, no, there's no way the U.S. dollar can survive like this. There's no way. Um, thinking thinking short term, well, anything can happen. If you're a short term thinker, stick with the stick with the stock market. There's probably some more money to be made. But thinking long term, the Chinese say, look, I know it doesn't pay interest. I know I'm just putting this, burying this in the back garden or putting it in my safe or or whatnot. But I know it has value. I know it's going to protect my wealth long term. So I think for anyone looking short term, they're not going to see the forest for the trees. If they're thinking anywhere outside a three, four year period, they can start to see the value of gold. And I think that's what the Chinese, the Indians, the Russians, the South Koreans, the Vietnamese, the Brazilians, they're all seeing this. One eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven online. You can check it out, guildhallwealth.com. We'll take another short break and we come back. Do we have a diamond of the week, Nicole? Just give me the nod, yeah? Maybe? We'll talk about diamonds, natural many. fancy colored cheese. Many, many Perfect. diamonds of the Even week. better. Absolutely. The Queen of Diamonds is in the house, so we'll take a short break and come back with more of The Real Money Show. Mm-hmm. We're giving you an extra bonus. This is a holiday special. Up until the 15th. So on the 16th, it goes up. What a difference a day makes. one 1711 online at guildhallwealth.com. Paul. Yes, we have <laughs> a couple of diamonds this week, which I will call the diamond of the week. They are blue-green diamonds. Um, they are incredible. They're one of the best investments that you can make. We have yellow diamonds, m- probably more internally flawless yellow diamonds up on our website than any company that's out there in North America and even Tel Aviv and wherever. We have more internally flawless diamonds in yellows. We have argyle pinks. We only carry VS quality diamonds in the argyle. We have an unbelievable selection, 053 and a 0.59, and we also have a tender diamond. We have these blue-green diamonds that you have to look at. They're terrific diamonds. Nicole, will you explain what a blue-green is? Absolutely. So a a blue-green diamond is technically a green diamond. Green diamonds are very, very rare, and because they're so rare, they're obviously quite pricey. So when you have a modifier, which is the color that's before it, so in this case we have a natural fancy bluish green, on the uh, carat weight is this point six one carat as the as one of the feature diamonds, the modifying color is blue. This is about twenty five percent blue in the green. Blues, though very rare, are a little bit less rare than greens. Mm. So it makes it affordable for somebody to get into a, own a green diamond and plus have that blue, which is also rare. And together, the colors are exquisite. They become like a seafoam green, turquoise green, and they're really, really beautiful and very unusual, very exotic colors. So I particularly love the blue-greens. I love anything really with a modifier because the colors that come out are so unique and so beautiful. So these two diamonds are amazing clarities. So the first one, we have a 0.61 carat natural fancy bluish green, VS2. So that's a very high clarity grade for a a blue-green. And it's got great symmetry, fluorescence is, uh, it's on the uh, appraisal and the grading report, which you can look at on the website. And the price is 66150 and the appraised value is 115300 And then we have a 0.35 carat radiant cut intense bluish green. 
and that is also VS2 Clarity. And what I love about these cuts is these cuts, cushions, radiance, they really maximize the color. And when you look at a cushion, it's like looking into crushed ice. So when you have that bluish green with the crushed ice, that is just a glorious combination. So it's beautiful. It's um, the, val- the price is $61,150 and the appraised value is $110,250. So you can see even by these appraisals, I mean, these are tremendous investment grade diamonds. It, it would fit into anybody's collection, a first time owner, into a, a connoisseur's collection just beautifully. I love these two. Is that a very common carat size for that type of diamond? Yeah, because when you get into greens, I mean, to own anything more than a carat or two, especially when you're looking at intense, Mm -hmm. it's really, really pricey. And what we try to do is, of course, we can service clients who are looking for to spend, you know, a million, two million dollars. But we also look at first time investors because natural fancy color diamond investing is so new to people. A lot of people want to test it out first. They'll, they'll put in 30000 40000 And more of The Real Money Show, the number you need to know, one 1711 and sign up for the Precious Metals Advisor. Free subscription to Guildhall's premier market newsletter. Darren, last week, how did the offer go? Went great. 100-ounce bars went out the door. Uh, some people bought more than what the minimum was, which was 300 ounces to get the deal. Uh, Paul's graciously extended that by buying more product. Uh, It's not often that we get this opportunity, but this time of the year, we have established connections that allow us to bring in some products. So we're happy to get it and uh, we're happy to extend that offer again this week. I mean, it's awesome. So we're very, very excited about what the week holds. Uh, Telltale signs and writing on the wall for higher pricing, especially as it should be this time of year. Never, ever fall asleep. I mean, I know watching the gold and silver market over the last 24 months has not been easy for a lot of people. But these are the times when small events, little turns in the economy, little unexpected, uh, you know, uh, detours happen, and we get a lift in pricing. What we're looking for now going forward is two closes over $20 an ounce in silver and two closes over $12.50 an ounce in gold. We get those two pieces there. That starts the puzzle, and we're going to connect the dots going forward. So I expect higher pricing as we move along, and we've had a lot of news this week. So get the Precious Metals Advisor. It is crucial that you have it. Get it sent to your inbox. It's free of charge for one year unless you become a client. It's the quickest way we have to give you our insights and our personal take on the market, and it's jam-packed full of information, and you can't go without it if you're thinking of buying gold and silver. And clearly, we've had a long consolidation. The market is retesting the lows, um, but it it looks very strong. Look, over the last few years, mining gold and silver hasn't gotten cheaper. Everything's gotten more expensive, and it's very difficult to pull it out of the ground at these levels. So it's very much unsustainable. And only real savvy investors have what it takes to buy in on a bottom of the market. And while there's been a long, there's been an open window for that, it's it, it can shut at any moment. And this, the longer the market is the way it is right now, where you can buy silver uh, around $20 an ounce US uh, on the paper price, uh, the more explosive it can be when it does start to run. So having a deal like this, being able to jump in at the very low price means that, you know, for six, $7,000, you can really put a toe in the water here, maybe get up even to your ankle. But it is a great opportunity. If you're savvy, if you've been watching it for a long time, this is the place where you want to say, you know what, I am going to take advantage. And you know what, we had a lot of people take advantage, literally people coming to us and congratulations to them saying, 
I'm one of those fence sitters and I'm, I'm getting off the fence. So uh, we'd love to see some more of that. We want everyone to be successful. And to do that, you got to buy at the low. It makes it cheaper and makes more money for you as the price rises. Let me ask you one final thing, though. You mentioned uh, the price on paper. Why is the price on the screen different than what I actually pay? Well, with respect to pricing, mm-hmm. what people don't remember to factor in is the premium involved in the fabrication of the bars. Somebody has to make those bars. They don't just come out of the ground pre-made. And although the, the price is trading at a specific price on the screen, that's the recognized price we use as a standard to denote what the price is the world over. It's called the spot price. That comes out of the futures market, and markets open and close every day. So twice a day in London, the spot price is set, and then they go through to the next market and pick up from there. When a I'm buying bullion. I'm paying the ask price, just like a stock. There's a bid and an ask. I sell close to the bid. I buy at the ask. Now, in bullion, depending on the product, here is the rule of thumb to keep those premiums low before we go. The bigger the bar, the lower the premium. Coins, higher higher premium. premium. More work goes into fabricating them, and they come from the mint, so there's an additional charge of profit there. The taxpayer makes a little bit. And when it comes to, to gold and silver... Uh, in gold, you want to go to one ounce and 10 ounce bars if you can. In silver, as a rule of thumb, try to go to 100 ounce bars. If you can go to 1,000 ounce bars, great, but 100 ounce bars for sure, and those will keep your premiums lower. But you cannot buy at the spot price anywhere, no matter where I go. I go in a bank, coin shop, guild hall, any other firm, you cannot buy at the spot price. If you're buying at the spot price, I literally will give you a guarantee, in my opinion, that you are buying paper, not physical. Either way, get out there and buy a physical product. That's it. Start doing it. The number, one 1711 online at guildhallwealth.com. Reminder, while you're there, pick up the Precious Metals Advisor. As Darren mentioned, it's a free subscription for the year to Guildhall's Premier Market Newsletter and just recently launched a soft launch last week, guildhalldiamonds.com. You'll want to invest in a, dar- a diamond. Have a look at it first anyway before you go to the shop. There's a good place to start. Again, it's been another phenomenal show, guys. We'll wrap for this week. This is The Real Money Show.